So we are back with another episode of Strong Boss Bitches. I'm here with Monica Morton and Meredith. And we are going to be here today talking for real, real talk about race. So stay with us. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Monica, thank you so much for coming back again this week so we can talk about race and just put this all out there finally. My pleasure. I'm so excited. I mean, we almost just blew through an entire episode before I hit record. So I just yelled at you. I'm like, come on, girl, we got to record this because we got good (laughs) shit we're talking about. So we got to get this recorded. So we're recording. We're putting this here for you and we're doing it today and we're going deep. We're going deep. And I will say early, I told Meredith that we might need to kind of put a little disclaimer out there. We're going deep, you guys. So if there's anybody that's overly sensitive or Mm -hmm. you're offended easily by honest, real talk about race, this just may not be the show for you. Yeah. It just may not be because what's the title of today's episode? For real, real talk about race. race. So we're going to get down to it. To it. And so... Myself, I am a, a fluorescent white woman. <laughs> I'm Irish and I'm Irish and I glow. And but I've been doing the work for a couple of years now. It's called to me to really soul search my racism, my my biases, my upbringing, growing up in a white neighborhood. And I did a whole series with people of color, really doing it and learning about it. And you were born and raised in the Cleveland, Ohio area. And you spent the last 20 years in Atlanta. Over 20 years in Atlanta. Yeah. And you are a strong black woman, entrepreneur. You you're, I mean, this is your life experience. So we're going to talk about our life experiences and we both feel very safe together. Of course. I want to put that out there. This is a, this is a friendship. This is a conversation between two women who have chosen to have this conversation Absolutely. and have chosen to give grace to each other for, cause, cause it's very easy. I could say something wrong today, yesterday, and tomorrow, like, but you can't say anything wrong if it's your truth. Right. And I'm learning. Yeah. If it's your truth, you can never say anything wrong. Right. But I think the reason that we decided to have this conversation is because there's so many instances of racial profiling, of racial inequality, just a basic understanding of etiquette as to what's appropriate when it comes down to race, whether it's conversations, whether it's interactions with people of color, people are afraid to have the conversation. We have to. Yeah. It's not going to get any better if you feel comfortable talking about this with your white friends, but you're not comfortable talking about this with black people or with people of color, whether they're Hispanic or whether they're Asian or Irish or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. Native American, Native American, whatever you have to start having the conversation. Yeah. And it's funny because as you're saying that I'm looking and going, wait, we just started Black Lives Matter. We just started these conversations at the exact same time we started cancel culture. So it was like, hey, let's talk about this. But if you do, you better do it right. And you better not have a past. And you and I talked about this yesterday while we were driving around. And it was we almost need to put a pause 
on canceling people and crucifying people because we need to have space to have and do it wrong. We need to have space to ask the questions that we're going to screw up. And I know I've done the work where I've sat there and I want to let everyone know I've made every mistake you can as far as having a racial conversation. Sure. I've cried tears. I've been exhausted. I've done it wrong. I'm, and, and that's why I'm coming forward because my voice, I hope speaks to white people mm-hmm. and they hear me and go, okay, she's screwed it up, right. but she's here to share all of her screw up. Like I'll give you an example. So yeah. let's talk about this. This is a good way to open this. Yeah. One of the biggest mistakes that I see that white people make yeah. is that they, when they, when they proceed to introduce, like, let's say it's going to be via email or you're having a call with somebody. I would never say to my black friends, oh, I can't wait for you to meet my white friend, Meredith. Oh, my God. But white people will do that all day, every day. You are going to love my friend, Monica. She's black. You're going to love my black friend, Monica. Oh, oh, by the way, she's black. Who in the hell Mm -mm. introduces someone with their race as part of the conversation or the context? What the fuck difference does it make that I'm black, Meredith? If I'm your friend... And you're introducing me to somebody for business or she's just a great person to know. You should just be saying, I've got this amazing friend, Monica. Can't wait for you to meet her. My race should have nothing to do with that conversation. But this is what white people do all the time. So this is a two pronger. I read this great article and it was this black woman and this white woman. They were friends. And she said, the first thing I want you to remember about me being your friend, this is the black woman speaking. The first thing I need you to remember is that I am black. The first thing I want you to forget is that I am black, meaning that absolutely in our friendship, ignore I'm black. But at the same time, I need you to be so aware of my blackness when we are out in public, when you take me to a restaurant, when you put me in a situation that I'm the only black person in a party of 50 that you've invited at your house. Be aware of my experience. But at the same time, don't single me out for the love of God. Like, come on. I I am not token. But this goes back to the other prong, which we were just talking about before I hit record, which is the taboo of the black person to the white. So when that person is saying, I want you to meet my black friend, there's token moment there. Look how special I am. I have a black friend, friend. etc. And also the taboo of the sexual, (laughs) the sexualizing and the taboo of the black woman of which we just spoke about again yesterday, which is that TikTok, which is when you're black, there's always some white woman up in your business, just waiting to, you know, just watching your shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so, and I said, I'm guilty because I do stare at black women because they're so opposite of me. I have a wide waist. They have narrow waist. I have this small flat ass. They've got this big, beautiful body and this amazing hair. So I do find myself very interested in the, the opposite of me, mm-hmm. but see, I don't know how to fix that. We just have to work at dispelling the stereotypes that white people have about black people. Yep. And those stereotypes are so broad. We don't have enough time in this episode to talk about. And they're deep. But it's everything from that we cook different. 
that we make love or we have sex different Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, the old, those old civil rights analogies that, that white people had about black people, as far as the only thing that we were good at is, is taking care of the kids, cleaning their house and cooking their food. Those are conversations that people don't want to have. Those are still perceptions that white people have about black people. I will men and women. Yes. So I don't know if you know this, but I'm going to share a funny story with you. Give it to me. I told you I live in a Stafford community. Mm-hmm. You know this already. Okay. So when I, I built a house, custom built a house, 7,000 square feet, the lady that lives behind me came with a welcome package mm. and it had cookies and nice sea salt and stuff for the bath and all kind of cute little stuff in it, you know. So she introduced herself and she said, I'm your neighbor that lives behind you. We just want to welcome you to the community. I was like, oh my God, this is so wonderful. This is so kind. Thank you. Come on on in. Okay. So she, this is what she says to me. She says, my husband and I have decided that you're either an accountant or drug dealer. And she proceeded to laugh. So I I looked at her and I said that I'm either uh, an accountant or drug dealer. I said, help me understand how you came up with that assessment. She said, well, we've noticed that you're home a lot. She said, I've seen a little lady come by. She said, I think she might be your housekeeper. I said, yes, that's the housekeeper. She said, I've seen another lady come by and she stays here throughout the day. I said, that's my assistant. She said, but you just don't leave very often. I don't see you leaving in the morning, going to work, and I don't see you coming back home and eating. And I looked at her and I said, do you have any idea how insulting your statement is to me? Yeah. I said, first of all, we live in an estate community, not homes, an estate. So obviously, if I can afford it, I must be doing something that has me pretty successful. What you think? I said, I'm a private detective. I'm a business owner. The lady that you see coming to the house every day is my sister. I have an office in the city. I got tired of spending an hour and a half in traffic oh, each way right. every day. So when I built my home, I had an office built into my home where I could work from home. I said, but tell me why you would think I was a damn drug dealer. I said, is it because that you can't understand in your mind how a black woman can afford this home? And she said, well, I guess that's, and I told her, I said, from this point forward, I want you to shift your thinking and shift your consciousness. I said, because one, I'm glad you were honest with me, but two, don't ever make those kind of assumptions about a person of color. But pe- white people do it all the time. I said, you would never have come to my home if I was a white person and said what you just said. It's, Meredith, I when I tell you, girl, I- She's lucky you didn't beat her ass right there. I was floored. <laughs> But she was sincere. She meant it. She meant what she was saying. So again, I'm happy we had that experience because I was able to school her on. Right. That's so inappropriate. And she's lucky she met you and not someone else. Girl, let me tell you what. Okay. I am telling you. Mm -hmm. But see, again, those are perceptions. Those are stereotypes. We have to start having a conversation. And she and I ended up becoming really good friends. Mm -hmm. You know, lovely person, but sheltered. Well, a lot of people sheltered. think this is the problem. We want, we talked about this. We watch the news. What's on the news? But you know, what? black people killing people for 30 minutes. And so what do you expect if when all we're serving up on TVs and movies and the news and the newspaper, now that's real. And that's, it's real, that's but it's real, but it's over-exaggerated. It is. And 
it's embarrassing. I will say this and it'll be people upset. Don't text, don't email, don't call. I don't care. <laughs> You're not changing. <laughs> don't care. But I get upset mm-hmm. when I watch how the media portrays black people. Right. Because there's a lot of black people doing Girl, great things. Wait now. <laughs> Every time something happens, y'all can say I'm right. You can say I'm wrong, but I know I'm right. So let's go on with it. Okay. They go and find the most ill-speaking, <laughs> craziest looking ass black person they can find. Right. To speak for the community. Right. So you're putting, you are perpetuating. Like, can you call me? You're perpetuating the stereotype right. that black people are inarticulate. Right. We all, we all There's crazy. a whole conversation we're about to have. Inarticulate. We, we look crazy. We act crazy. We talk crazy. Because that's what the media has decided to portray fits. of that particular incident. It fits. It's, it fits the narrative. But it does. And I, I get so angry and I'm looking at it. I'm like, you mean to tell me mm-hmm. that you couldn't have found some other person to speak to without putting this person on there who obviously there's some challenges with them. Right. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Right. But if you're speaking to somebody and they can't put two, two words together or a couple of words together to make an intelligent sentence that people can understand, that's the person that you put on damn TV for right. millions of people to see. And you think that all black people that everybody, it just, it drives me insane. Yeah. I can't imagine being represented that way. But see, again, there will be people that will be upset that I'm even being dishonest and having this conversation with you, but it is real. And we talked about this yesterday. So we're going to talk about it right now. Well, and you know what, as I'm sitting here listening to you, cause it, cause you know, there's some method white person that they're oh, interviewing at the trailer park or whatever too. And I could sit there and go, but this is important right here. Mm-hmm. I could go, Oh my gosh, why did they pick them to represent white people? And I look at that and I go, that has nothing to do with me because there's a thousand other stories of wealthy, educated, well-spoken mm-hmm. white people that I don't need to be concerned with. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is when it's over and over and Absolutely. only portrayed, you know, as Absolutely. the black community. Absolutely. I have many stories that represent me. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the difference is, is that you're saying, the black community does not have many ways that they're being represented. This is the problem. You have to give the good and the bad. Absolutely. And it, the good can't only be athletes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Or, I mean, or, 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 Oprah. or Oprah. Or Oprah. Or Obama. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. There's this. But, oh, I mean, I, think I can't I share this with I you. I can't. Go ahead. There are over 400 white billionaires in the country. Mm-hmm. There's seven blacks. There's, there's something wrong with that number, right? That there's only seven black billionaires in this country is ridiculous. What does that say about the lack of opportunity? What does that say about the lack of access? I tell people from a business development standpoint, part of what we do in our services, because we work with so many professional athletes and celebrities, is that when we're helping them with their business development, I always tell a professional athlete, please understand something. What you do, your athleticism has a shelf life. Oh, man. You, when you are signed to the NFL or Major League Baseball or whatever it is that you're doing, basketball, whatever, you have to look at that money. It has to last you for the next 50 years. Or it longer. has to last you for the next 50 years. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do to make sure that the monies that you are earning, that you can turn those into some sort of a investment futuristically? 
that is going to take care of your children, your children, and your children's children. Most people don't look at things that way. But if you're not taught that, correct. if you're not giving access to be able to raise funding, be it private angel equity funding, whatever it is, out of the $27 billion that was generated last year in private equity for quote unquote investments, women and people of color received not 3%, mm. less than 0.3% of that $27 billion, women and people of color. That is unbelievable. But if you're not given the access to be able to get the funding, how do I start my great business that I know is going to make a lot of money if I don't even have access to get in the damn room to do it? Well, I had this conversation on Facebook in one of my groups where I did start this process. And this one black guy on, in the Facebook group said, do you white people get taught about money from your families? Do you get taught about money. He's like, because I've never been taught about investments or stocks or IRAs or what my interest rate should be on a house. Cause you know, the predatory lending as well as Fargo came in Absolutely. 9% in the black churches. So yeah. they don't know that they should be getting 3% yeah. because their parents don't know because their parents didn't own a house. And this is a conversation that I have with my circle of friends and family it, well, they should be able to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. They have the same opportunities that I do. And I say, family member, my children have a better opportunity at life because their parents and their grandparents are all college educated. We are all homeowners. Mm -hmm. So for my son at 25 to be a college educated homeowner at 25 years old and investing in Absolutely. stocks and having an Roth IRA, that is part of the breadth of his life. Absolutely. However, comma, if you go over and talk to another friend who their parents and grandparents are not college educated, have never bought a home, they are behind the eight ball white or not. But more white people have had access to purchasing homes mm -hmm. and being educated about the way to invest money that we are systematically, socially, societally, black neighborhoods are behind the eight ball yeah. due to laws and, and regulation of lending as well as and their parents. That's true. But let me let me let me, let me come in. Let me let me hit you. I'm in. Education. Education. So let me let me show you the difference between curriculums and education. Okay. Okay. You know I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Correct. In the school that I went to in Cleveland, mm -hmm. eighth grade curriculum, we had a class on finances. Really? Girl. But see, this is the difference between when you're in a curriculum that is predominantly white. Yeah. And when you're in a curriculum that is predominantly black. Yes. Or eat specifically when you're dealing with some Southern states, not all. So don't y'all go bananas, but some Southern states, people know about the curriculums in Mississippi are horrible mm -hmm. that most kids don't even make it to the ninth grade to right. be able to graduate. They just keep passing them to get them they out. They just keep passing them to get it out. Yeah. So eighth grade, we had a class on finances. Do you know what part of that class was? They made us fake checkbooks. They taught us about stocks. Mm -hmm. They taught us about interest. They taught us about putting money in a savings account, right. what it meant to be a babysitter. And you made $50 that week and you put your $50 in your savings account with a 5% interest rate that that 5% interest rate grows with your $50. And every time you put money in you're your money, it. you're watching it, you're expecting 
I was in the eighth freaking grade in Cleveland, Ohio. They don't even have classes like that in Georgia for an eighth grade. Well, Brock is in. They do not. Fourth grade, he was learning that. He had, but he see, had that's a budget. what I'm saying. Fourth but, grade, but again, budget. this mm-hmm. is Cleveland, Ohio. Right. I live in Georgia now. I've checked. They don't have classes like that to teach children about finances and wealth management. They do not. I learned that shit in the eighth grade in Cleveland, Ohio. Right. I was in junior achievement. They don't even have, I don't even know if they still have junior achievement where these kids can, which is why I'm a freaking entrepreneur. Right. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur as a child because of junior achievement. Isn't that amazing? But see, again, education, until we do something about an opportunity, the education that is going to provide the opportunities and the experience to see what is out there in the world. We're not going to change shit. Well, you know, I just saw a thing the other day and this gal was on there talking about the American education system just as a whole, that we are still teaching our kids for an industrialized society, meaning that we want humans that can sit still Mm -hmm. and be subservient for six to seven to eight hours Mm -hmm. and do They do and do and do and learn and learn. They don't think, they don't create, they just do. And the reason is, is that we needed people to go work for factories. We needed, we needed worker bees. Exactly. And so if we teach Mm -hmm. the black community to not be worker bees, who the hell is going to work? work. Who's going to do the work if they are creative and entrepreneurs and know how to invest and know how to. Come on, let me tell you. Come on. But no, wait, let me tell I you. I can't. No, you can't. I let me. I just, <laughs> no, I'm no, dead. Let me. No, you're not. I'm going to resurrect you. Let me tell you about how crazy people think. I had a white lady say this to me. Oh, God. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding you. She said, aren't you proud of how Hispanics are doing the work of what black people used to do? My hand on a stack of Bibles. Did your arms fall off Girl, on the spot? Girl, I promise you, she said, aren't you proud that you're better than- That Hispanics are doing the work that Black people used to do. She said, you all have really evolved. Oh, God. Girl, I told you we get I told you today was going to be real. Oh, God. I told the you today. Pain. Girl, I told you today was going to be real. I looked at this woman like she was from Star Wars. I can't. She's, I promise you. She said, aren't you proud that Hispanic people are doing the work? That but black see, that is do? white mentality. Said, you all have evolved. And I said, so I and so again, you know how you have. See, I, I, I come from the school of everything is a teaching opportunity. Here, yeah. Everything. This is teaching for me to teach you. For me to teach you. Excuse me, ma'am. So I asked her, I said. So we've evolved. I said, please share with me how black people have evolved. You know, I'm, I'm you know, because see, I'm, I, I, help I, me understand. I'm just, woo, help me understand. Help I'm me sorry. understand. Jesus. So I said, I said, help me understand how we've evolved. And she said, well, you know, you guys are engineers and you're in IT and you're doing, you know, she said, you're not, you're, you're almost not, white. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not cleaning houses and, you're not maids anymore and you all are entrepreneurs. And she said, well, it's the Hispanic people are doing all the work that the black people used to do. I said, sweet baby Jesus. So when I picked myself off the floor and decided to have a conversation with her, I said, please understand something. In every generation, in every decade, there is progressive movement. Mm -hmm. I said, but do you understand how, what a racist statement that is to make to somebody. I said, 
If you thought it was supposed to be a proud moment for me, it's not. It's not. I said, my grandparents were sharecroppers. Mm. And the best education I got was when I would come and visit for summers in Georgia from Ohio to listen to my grandparents tell me about what it was like for them as black sharecroppers working for white people. As an entrepreneur and a successful and wealthy entrepreneur, trust me, everything that I do, I want to pay homage to my ancestors Mm -hmm. because I know the struggle that they had to give me the liberty to do the things that I, girl, please. I can't. Well, I can shop where I want, live where I want, drive what I want, do what I want. But see, there's people that died. Yeah. That were lynched. Still dying. Still dying. Still dying. That were beaten, lynched, killed, and murdered because of the color of their skin to give me the freedom to do what I do. So that's why I feel very strongly. I told you it's two things. What I say on another podcast we did is two Mm -hmm. things that made me go postal. Racism and prejudice. And when I see people that are rude and discourteous to people for absolutely no reason, right? That makes me go postal. I can't handle the racism and the prejudice. I can't. But see, this goes back to your conversation with the Hispanic moment is at least you're not them. Yeah. It's the, at least you're, at least I'm not them. I'm broke. I'm living on welfare, but I'm not black. Mm -hmm. I'm broke. I'm not, don't have a job. I got 16 kids, but I'm not Mexican. Yep. So that is that. And I say this all the time. Perceptions and stereotypes. I say this all the time. Racism is the lowest form of self-esteem. It is. Because what you're saying is, is. is, I might be the lowest of the low of the low white person, but I ain't black. Yep. Yes. And that's been taught generation and generation and generation. And we're going to talk about something else that's going to be sensitive. And I know y'all going to be upset, but I don't care. (laughs) We don't care. I told you that I'm, I know that I'm treated differently. Yeah. We've had this conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm treated differently. I, I know what I look like and I know how people respond to me, but I shouldn't be treated differently because of my appearance. Mm-hmm. None of us should be. I shouldn't. Yeah. But I hear all the time. You're so attractive. Oh my God. You're so intelligent. You're so articulate. Articulate. You know, and I told you about my Louis Vuitton luggage. Girl. Right. I saw it when I helped girl, you in the back seat. Uh, okay. I'm like, damn girl, G- girl, I'm got shit from TJ Maxx. No, no. <laughs> I've been a Louis girl since I came out my mom's room. <laughs> but I, I like Louis Vuitton luggage, not even because of the brand. This shit lasts fucking forever. Right. I've got pieces that are 20 years old. Right. So it's not about that. My thing is that I travel all the time. I need some durable stuff. Right. I don't want to be sitting there waiting on my luggage to come around and everybody looking for a black piece of Samsonite because everybody got black Samsonite. You see what I'm saying? But I just like the luggage because it lasts forever. But I have literally seen people treat me differently when I check into a hotel because they see the Louis Vuitton luggage. I'm automatically upgraded. What the fuck? Right. You know, or they're, oh my God, you're so attractive. You, oh, you smell lovely. Mm. I'm treated differently as a black woman. Yeah. As a wealthy black woman. But my friends. As a beautiful black woman. But my friends who may have a natural hair. Right. Maybe braids. Maybe buds. Maybe, maybe a bonnet, maybe a bonnet, maybe they were a bonnet. Whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. 
that are not treated the same as me. They don't have the same experience I do. That's not how it's, it's, it's not supposed to happen that way. What do we have to do to change this perception that white people have about black people? Mm -hmm. I've been with friends where we were checking into right there together. They're checking into the hotel. I'm checking into the hotel and I'm treated totally different from the person that I'm with just because of their physical appearance. Well, it was funny because we went out to lunch yesterday and you had me walk in the door first Mm -hmm. and I was very aware of it and I didn't like it because to me, it felt like I wasn't, I just felt like I shouldn't have done it now. So, so you understand for me, that's been courteous. I know, but I was, I was aware of my surroundings. So not in my, my mindset. We're equals, but I am so hyper aware Mm -hmm. of being Mm anti-racist that I didn't want to go first. I don't know if you saw, I jockeyed a couple of times. Like, I don't know what to do. So let me explain something to you. So you understand, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm prior law enforcement. Mm Mm-hmm. Anytime I'm anywhere with anybody, I am always looking at everything from a protector standpoint. Mm -hmm. So my thing is, let me be courteous. Second of all, let me check and make sure that everything is cool. (laughs) Monica's got my back walking into lunch. I'm telling you. (laughs) Got my six. Well, girl, whether I got my nine millimeter on me or not, is that's my mindset. Right. Because when you do what I do as a private detective and working in law enforcement, you're always thinking from a advancement consciousness, which from a security standpoint, law enforcement people understand what I'm saying. Right. That's always my mindset. Never a situation where like, I need you to check the room. That wasn't it at all. It right. was more about being courteous. Of course. And let me check out the surroundings of where we are. Cause if something go down, you're ready. I'm ready. Paying attention. You see what I'm saying? But I am hyper But see again, if we didn't have this conversation, right. I wouldn't have never known that. Because that wasn't even in my consciousness yesterday. Yeah. No, it I'm was, sure it was wasn't. more about safety for me. Let me yeah. check out the room. But I, I'm sure so aware okay. of like, I never want a person of color to feel that they need to move off the sidewalk. Oh, I, girl. You girl, know what I mean? All this kind of stuff though. Girl, have you seen my confidence? <clears throat> right. But so these are things no, I don't think like that, that we need to be aware of and as white people that that's that people true. of color will move for us. That's true. That's true. And it's not okay. We need to start being aware of yeah. our presence and that we, nothing's about color, but everything's about color. Nothing's about man and woman, it but is. everything's about man and woman. We can't have a conversation about moving our society forward mm-hmm. without talking about men and, and women, women and inequality and race and religion and inequality and so, all of it. One of the things that we talked about that we said that we wanted to make sure that we could provide tips yeah, and be able to provide people with takeaways. One of the things that I encourage people to do, specifically white people, don't have token black friends. What does that mean? So your friends, your inner circle should consist of people that you like. Oh yeah. Second of all, but what if you just happen to be my only black friend? That's a difference. But you're not. Right. But that's a difference if I'm your only black friend because you're just really selective about who you want in your energy and your space. Mm-hmm. That's different to me than people who will never have friends of diversity or color or for that for that reason. Yeah. Because they've got these stereotypes about Hispanic people, stereotypes about black people. I tell all of my white friends, if I'm your only damn black friend, there's a problem. 
I tell all my white friends that I should not be your only black friend. You need to get to know people of diversity and color, whether they're Asian, whether they're Hispanic, they're black, whether they're Native American, you should have. I mean, I have such a kaleidoscope of friends, but I've always been this way. I was raised that way. But if you're not raised that way, start looking at people differently. Don't not be friends with somebody. One of my one of my clients said to me, she says, well, I work with black people, but I've never invited them to my home. Why not? Mm-hmm. Well, I've just never had a black person in my home. Why not? We don't melt. I'm not going to rub off on the sofa. What the fuck do you mean by saying something like that? Do you understand that that is a prejudice yeah. that you have you've already built into your mind under what circumstances? I could see if something happened. But my God, you've already got this perception for what reason? So I told her, I said, have a lunch, have a dinner. You know, and I told you about my neighbors. I have the best neighbors. Right. We got predominantly, yes, it is a predominantly white community, but I have the best neighbors. We get together, we have dinners, we have teas, we play cards. When Halloween comes around, we bring all the chairs together instead of, and we sit out there in the street and just hand out candy to everybody. Well, they ain't got to walk up the damn driveway trying to come knock on the door to get candy. But we we literally, and I just showed you the picture. I love my neighbors. But we're don't you friends. Think, don't you we're think, not just neighbors. We're friends. Some people are afraid because they are going to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, make the wrong comment, that there's a prejudice living inside of them that they're not even aware of, or they are aware of. And so it's just like, you know, what what do they say? How does every black joke start looking over their shoulder? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so now I'm sort of racist around my white friends, but now I've brought you in. What if I say something or something slips or absolutely like, there's got to be because, some sort of energy there. There's, there's a different conversation, Meredith. You can you, let's keep it real. Mm-hmm. We said we won't have a real conversation. Must. There is a different conversation that white people have when black people aren't around. I know this for a fact. Mm-hmm. They will use the N word a lot looser. Or, they, they will yeah. make they, they will make jokes about color. They'll make jokes about diversity where when there is a person of color in the room, it's completely different. See, Unless that's your that's, neighbor coming over with cookies. <laughs> then they just screw up. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Girl. But I'd almost rather have them screw up and be forward about it Absolutely. than be sneaky about it, right? Because to me, the sneakiness is like, that's like in your blood. Like, But I sneaky. think that you, again, when we get back to the tips and the takeaway, yeah. one, Develop friendships with all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. I think too, it is so important that people start having honest conversations. I would much rather somebody come to me, even if it may sound stupid. I would rather somebody come to me and ask me. I, I, I shared this with you. I had one of my white clients call me. He said, I'm going to this really important business meeting. Mm-hmm. And this particular company, the executives are predominantly. African-American. Okay. He said, how do I refer if I am making an introduction to somebody? He said, do, do you all prefer black or African-American? So I said to him, I said, for me personally, I don't, I don't particularly have a choice. Mm -hmm. I said, I think people have evolved. We're we're past color people. We're past For everyone, we're past that. We don't use that we anymore. Oh, Jesus, we don't, we don't use that. We one. do not say colored don't people, people, colored, colored people. folks, a colored girl. We don't do none of that. So if anyone's listening, 
So we've moved past color people. Okay. Again, I'm going to say something and I hope you receive this. Mm-hmm. I say this every time I speak and you know, I've been on a gazillion podcasts. I've spoken all over the world. I do not consider myself a black investigator. Okay. I do not consider myself a black businesswoman. I consider myself an investigator who's black. I consider myself a businesswoman who's black. My clients could give a rat's ass that I'm black. Right. People usually fall over and I have to pick them up off the floor. But 95% of my client base are white people. Mm -hmm. They don't give a rat's ass that I'm black. My clients know that I'm the best at what I do. My referrals that I get from presidents and CEOs from top Fortune 500 companies all over the world. When somebody calls and they say, I need the best PI, you need to talk to Monica Morton. Mm-hmm. They don't say, well, she's a black investigator in Atlanta. They mm-hmm. say Monica Morton. That's yeah. how I want it to stay. The minute that somebody has to tell one of my clients or a referral that I'm black, it's a problem. Right. It's a problem. Now, people can be upset about that. That is what I have personally chosen as my mantra. I have friends that are very uncomfortable with that. I have one of my dearest friends that said, I don't like what, that you say that. Because it's like you are denying your Blackness, your heritage. And I said, please tell me how you think I'm denying my Blackness and my heritage because I don't want people to refer to me in introduction to somebody, email, text, however, that I'm a Black investigator, that I am a Black business owner. I I said, no, I would never say can't wait for you to meet my white friend Meredith. Girl, please. Can you imagine? I can't, I can't even imagine and that. And no other white person can imagine No, that. and white people mm-hmm. don't do that to each other. No. Uh, Meredith, let me let you meet, meet my white friend Rose. Y'all don't do that. Ever. Y'all don't do that. No. So why is it that when it comes down to us, there is this sensitivity within the Black community about which is, you know, it's the controversy about the natural hair thing mm-hmm. and why so many Black people feel like that when you wear your hair like I wear mine, that I'm attempting to be white. That's very controversial in the Black community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, hello? I like my hair. Really it's like easier it? for me to deal with. Right. It's just so much easier for me to deal with. It has nothing to do with attempting to be white. It has nothing. You to have do failed, with. by the way, at being white today. I, just so you know. No, girl. <laughs> no. I don't care how straight oh. your hair is. You have failed today. But girl, but this is the kind <laughs> but of, I have curly hair. That's what I'm telling and you. I have failed at being black. But this, <laughs> but this is the conversation. Yeah. That is in the black community. That there was this thing going around about, you know, why, what, you know, the black women that they straighten their hair or perm their hair, but they don't want to have natural hair or this, that, or the other because you're attempting to be white. No. All of it needs to be normalized. It's ridiculous. It's about choice. Choice. It all needs to be normalized. It's, it's about choice. Box braids at work. Exactly. Natural whether, hair whether at it's work. Braids, it needs it's to be normalized. Hair, if it's permed, if it's straight, if it's whatever. It is about choice, but it is also about being respectful of someone's choice. Correct. You have to respect. Like one of my dearest, dearest girlfriends, she wears her hair natural in an afro, yeah. you know, yeah. and I love her. But we don't have any issues because she chooses to have an Afro and I chooses to perm my hair. We don't have those issues. Only only thing that we're striving to do is support each other in our businesses, 
And when we see each other going off course some kind of way, in a lovingly kind way, course correct, because all we want to do is see each other rise. Success. And it's the same thing with you. I know you have my back. I know you want to see me excel at everything that I do. I'm going to always have your back. We are ride and die. And you know that. Yeah. But that needs to be the attitude that everybody has. But until we start having these real damn conversations about race, this shit ain't going to get no better. But see, the one I did a great a podcast episode with Shamika Allen Lane, and we talked about she worked for corporate America and she grew up in Atlanta and her parents were like, you got to wear the wig. You got to wear the wig to get that job. Because her grandfather was a pastor and was seen as an equal to Martin Luther King, which is a rabble rouser, okay. right? So her family came from a long standing okay. of fear of being sure, right? Sure. But then she did decide to start wearing it more natural as she moved up in the company. Okay. And was pulled aside because there was a law, the rules in HR. We haven't seen them yet. They're not drawn up yet. However, comma, there's rules that you're only allowed to have one part in your hair. No, one part. Now, who exactly Girl, who do took you the time think? to sit down and do an SOP and write that somebody can have one and part? You can have one part in your girl. One part. That is the most ridiculous, racist. Oh my god! So the thing I see that because because I pay attention oh in, in the black community is we need to start normalizing women of color with natural hair, no matter what well, that you means. See that with the parts and with the afros and with it being that that is still professional with braids is still professional when you see some of the recent uh rulings the the the, uh, court rulings in regards to that these companies can no longer discriminate in their hiring practices because of somebody's hair or hairstyle right that is shameful that they literally had to pass court rulings and laws to keep these mfs from practicing to me, it's racial profiling. It is what the 100%. hell difference does it make whether I got two parts, five parts, or ten parts? Can you as long me? as I can do my damn job. This was in That's the recent, crazy. recently, that Girl. you could have one part. I mean, if if that is not the most racist, and this is in corporate America in modern times, unbelievable. And and then she got called in because everyone you know is white or whatever, but they're not because her clothes fit her because she was a full figured black woman Mm -hmm. with all the curves that I don't have. Mm -hmm. And she was seen as they, the the people that were watching, they were sexualizing her curves and saying that she was inappropriate. She goes, Meredith, my skirt hit my knee. I didn't, my boobs weren't out, but we are sexualizing. And we just saw recently on TikTok, that one guy that berated those girls who were wearing bikinis on the beach because he was sexualizing them and saying, you should change your clothes. We need to understand that we are sexualizing Asian Americans, women. We are sexualizing black women Mm -hmm. for, you know, their curves and whatnot. We are saying this is all, and this is what I'm talking about when I say systemic racism. And we need to look at when you say I'm not hiring that person because they wear their hair in dreadlocks. They're not professional. Exactly. That is systemic racism. You are using your white qualities Mm -hmm. to judge appropriateness. And this is where we have a huge problem. Even behavior. You're an angry black woman. 
What am I doing? What am I doing when I tell you that you are an angry Girl, black? Because I've had this conversation and people tell me. another conversation. But people tell me, Meredith, you're, be, you're causing a problem where there is not one. And I said, me saying you're being angry, I am now policing your emotions mm -hmm. because you are not acting in an Anglo-Saxon manner. Absolutely. And I am saying that the way that you exist on the planet does not make me comfortable. And I'm telling you right now, I, have un I understand this. I understand this. And so the white people out there, you need to listen to me because I understand this. This is not me making a problem where there is none. This is me calling out and saying, you police black people's behaviors mm -hmm. but as is inappropriate. Absolutely. And when you stand up, when you stand up or when you speak assertively, when you know that you're being treated improperly or wrongly, mm -hmm. you're an angry black woman. Yep. You're an angry black person. But it's always stunning to me that, and it's the same thing that happens with women when it comes down to in the workplace. When a man is assertive, he's confident. He's a boss. He's a boss. But when a woman is assertive, she's a bitch. She's a bitch. She's a bitch. She's difficult to work she's with. She's bossy. She's just she's bossy. Absolutely. Why are you going to be which so is, bossy? Which is ridiculous to me. A man's a leader. A woman's a bossy bitch. But until we continue to have these conversations, mm -hmm. until we stop making excuses, until we can really sit in the discomfort of it. Yeah. Yes, it's messy. But I tell people this, and I've had so many people get upset about this comment. But when you look at the civil injustice that has happened in this continent, nothing has changed. We're having without, the same conversation. Without there being a sacrifice of some kind, mm -hmm. whether it was slavery, which was when I look at the fact that there was a time in history where a person of another persuasion or race could own another person. It's and, just, and their children. It's just mind boggling. And do whatever they kill them. And do whatever the hell they wanted to do with them, make them have children, have sex with them. Rape, murder. Rape, murder. Yep. Having these people work ridiculous. Owning somebody. When I look at what happened with the Holocaust, how in the fuck did we allow somebody to come into a position of power to kill over 6 million other people? How did that happen? Yep. When you look at the atrocities that have happened with the Native Americans, with every injustice that has been done in this country, it's othering. It has taken sacrifice. It has taken people dying. It has taken all, all, all kinds of atrocities to happen to move us forward. This is no different. Racism and prejudice are the last two dividers that are killing this country. Killing. And I mean, literally killing this country where it has divided us. But I tell you what, let another 9-11 happen. Ain't nobody going to give a rat's ass if your ass is white or if I'm black. Mm -hmm. It's going to be about us coming together and fighting, fighting together yep. to be able to retain our humanity and our life. Yep. Period. I mean, this is to me, this is the, this is the bare minimum. And I go back to what we talked about in the last episode, the idea for even one second, that the reason that you and I are different is because 
the amount of melanin in skin that we literally in this day and age have made a choice in this country that you are less than me. Absolutely. And we talked about this at lunch. Mm -hmm. And I said to you, a white woman's tears are very dangerous. And I saw you get caught off guard. Mm -hmm. I watched because I said, if I started crying right now at lunch, I am putting your life in danger. Yeah, because people will be like, okay, what is that black woman doing to the white lady? What is that black woman doing to that white lady? And we need to start recognizing our prejudice and what it is doing to our country, what it is doing to our children, because I am telling you this right now, God, you know, mark my words, Mm -hmm. the people that are continuing to be racist Mm -hmm. as we move forward in the next 10, 20, 30 years, your children Mm -hmm. are going to be left behind Absolutely, because the leadership the, 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 the educated, the well-rounded, the traveled, the leaders of this country, the true leaders of the future of our country are going to be my children, the children that you surround yourself with that are going to work together Mm -hmm. because I have these conversations in my home and they are going to run leaps and bounds over the racism of the uneducated. But see, it's the same thing you just mentioned about children. We haven't talked about this, so let's touch on it. But it's the same thing about interracial dating. Mm, Yes. Lord Jesus, that's so controversial right now. And especially in places like Clubhouse. I mean, you. Oh, really? Oh, my God. All these conversations about, you know, black women dating white men and why is it happening? And black women are turning off black men. And that's why black women are looking to white men for other. That ain't got nothing to do with nothing. Again, when I look at people. I look at people as a whole. Mm-hmm. I am very much so from the mindset of an equal opportunity dater. I'm single. I'm looking for an amazing man. I don't give an ass whether he white, black, Hispanic, polka dot, purple, Irish, Asian. I don't give a damn. I am looking for a quality man. If a great man I, that I meet and he's white, he's fucking white. Right. I don't care. Mm-mm. I'm looking at that. I am looking at the man. I'm not looking at the color of his skin. And the the guy that I'm dating right now is white. He's just an amazing guy. Right. His race has nothing to do with it. Other people may make that an issue, but he's an amazing guy. I was drawn to his education. He's his spirit. He's just, just a fabulous guy. He's Mm -hmm. smart. He's talented. He's bright. He's funny. Those are the things that drew me to him. It didn't have anything to do with the fact that he was white or black. I've dated black men. I've dated white men. I've dated Asian men. I just look for a quality person. But when it comes to kids, this is the argument, is that if I marry a black man, Mm -hmm. a lot of black moms don't want me dating their sons because I could put their sons in harm's way with my white tears, as we talked about. And also, I am now going to raise her black grandbabies Mm -hmm. in a white mother kitchen and white hair. And maybe I'm not going to introduce them to their black culture and their black experience because I'm white. But see, you have to look at, again, we're having a real conversation. Of course we are. Okay. White women were always considered the forbidden fruit for black men. Okay. So a lot of black women, feel as though that a lot of black men consider a white woman, the ultimate prize. 
So there is resentment with a lot of Black women when it comes down to when they see a Black man, when they see a lot of these professional athletes and these celebrities. Mm. Dated Black women all their lives. They get a couple bucks. They get $2, get a couple bucks, get into the NFL, get into the NBA. They no longer date Black women. They will only date a white woman and they marry a white woman. And Black women tend to resent that because they're like, okay, I was good enough for you when you asked to handle money. Right. But now because you are making money, you are an elite, quote unquote, you want a white woman. These are real conversations that we as Black women have with each other. Yes. We ain't going to tell you that. Right. But that is the realness of it. Well, they are spinning the, the script on this. Now, like I, when I tried TikTok, mm-hmm. the Black women are like, you think you got a price? He's the one none of us wanted. Wow. You've got the lowest hanging fruit. We don't want that Black guy. You can have him. So they are switching the script right. here. Now, this we're not talking about NFL players right, right, right. or you. NBA players. I got we're you. talking about... Joe Thursday, right? So so it's like, go ahead because you're you're taking the black guy that none of us want. Right. So again, that ain't what we talk about. We talk about when you go and get that ultimate ultimate. Right. That's when we have an issue with y'all because we like, wait a minute now. But you need to have an issue with the black guy stepping on your heads to get to the money and put up with your shit but all through college, all through high school. And now all of a sudden you got a couple bucks. But again, and you're right. you and I are having a conversation that I right. am telling you. No, 100%. People don't have this conversation. Mm-hmm. They do not have this conversation, but I'm giving you the real, real, because I've right. heard thousands of sisters say what I just said to you, but they will never tell you what I just said So to what's you. the result? I mean, where, what do we do? I don't know. Well, what, what we do is we have the conversations and you have to respect somebody's choices. I ain't mad at nobody because he made the decision that he don't want a black woman. That's on you. Right. I can't change that. I can't do nothing with that. Mm-hmm. But what I can do is I can put an imprint and make an impression to open people's minds about racism and prejudice. And just keep talking about and it. And keep talking about it where you can have real conversations. I, Like I told you, I've seen how people respond when I'm with my white boyfriend. Right. I mean, he's gorgeous. So, you know, they, they can't find anything wrong with that. Right. But I've seen how pe- the looks that we may get from other people where they're like, damn, you know, she would have. No, no, no. You have to understand that I don't look at him as a white man. I just look at him as a man. He doesn't look at me as a black woman. You all make us do that to each other. But right. that's not our perceptions as a couple. You see what I'm saying? But I think we need all, you know, we're, we're watching the older generations move on. Mm-hmm. The younger generations, like my kids, other people's kids, they see color because it's important because it's a part of who you are as a human. Mm-hmm. It's a part of your per- experience on this planet. Mm-hmm. It's a part of your past and your parents and your family and your 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 story. But it's going to be so different. I think that it's... Can I say this? I am really very proud of a lot of the parents that I see of this generation. Yeah. Because they are teaching their children early. You have to. This generation is going to be different from ours. Very. And because rock and they clearly, they, they, they let me tell you that what I noticed, you ever watch kids when you go to a McDonald's, Mm -hmm. they go into the little playground. You see the little kids. They don't know that somebody's black or white. They see another little person. They want to hang. And they just want to play. Yep. When I watch that, I get so much joy 
because I realized, Lord, please let their parents help them to keep this love that they have for each other and humanity mm-hmm. throughout their entire life. You've seen kids do that. They go into the playground and they see another little boy, another little girl. Girl, they don't not not play with them because they're a different color. All they see is another little person. The beach, the playground. That is, doing- we have to prejudice but- and racism is taught. Yes. And it is learned. And I was, I mean, I was, I mean, my, our generation was taught, like, don't hang out with that kid. Absolutely. You'll be dirty. No boy will date you if you date that black guy. No boy will date you, Meredith. Mm. So, you know, then you, you're like, okay, well, wow. I'll pull back. Yeah. You know, don't you. So we, it is, it is taught and it is not taught. But, it, but, but let me tell you what I, what I believe. And I, I'd love to hear from y'all. I believe that it can be unlearned. One thousand percent unlearned because I told you I've unlearned when you, it. And, I, when you it. and I met one of the first things you but you better tell them the truth. <laughs> I told you I said you are my sister from another mister. Yes. The first time we talked, did I not tell you that? You did. I picked up on your spirit and energy, and I said, Jesus, I don't know where. I don't know if I got the sister that my mama didn't tell me something about. <laughs> if she had a child, she didn't tell me something about when she went on vacation or something. <laughs> But I told you that I told you, you were my sister from another mister. You can't, when you understand energy and you understand life and you understand where God is concerned, there is no separation of races. Mm -hmm. It says it. I don't care what y'all say It's scriptural. There are no separation of races in the new Testament In the old Testament. Yes. In the new Testament, there's no black section, white section, Asian. God is love. When you understand that, the only thing that you want to do is do that. Love people. The only way that we can get past the horrible history of racism and prejudice is to have these conversations and change the narrative and change the way that we see each other in the world. That's how we're going to make a difference. The taboos, the the painting, the wide brush. Mm -hmm. The That's you know all and, of and then like what we're doing right now, and I want to say two things too. Is one, do not call your black friend for DEI for diversity education. Because that's they're not the one eight hundred number. Google. Let me get a book. Let me tell you. Get a book. Story. I'm going to tell you an interesting story. I just got asked to sit on a very impressive board. And the president and the CEO, the two founders of this particular organization, they said, Monica, you're going to be so proud of us. We've decided to add a diversity division within our, our corporation. We want you to sit on the board. And I said, let me share something with you. It's an honor. I said, but if you start a diversity division within your corporation, I will not sit on your board. <gasps> I could feel the air come out the room. He said, I I, I said, if you are operating in a spirit of equality in every aspect of your corporation, you don't need a diversity division. He said, oh, my God, Monica, I didn't think about it that way. I said, if you're operating your business where you are hiring the best of the best, you're giving everybody LGBTQ, women, women, transgender disabled, if you are giving everybody an equal opportunity, but they're not, no one is. I'm telling you, I should, his, he said, oh my God. And this is a big corporation. Right. He said, oh my God, Monica, 
He said, I'm so happy I discussed this with you. He said, because I didn't think of it that way. He said, I just wanted to make sure we were being inclusive. I said, I honor, and I said this to him, I honor your thoughts. I hear you, but I am telling you, you don't need to have a diversity division if you are being equal in all of your hiring processes. Mm -hmm. He said, oh my God, you're right. And they didn't do it. Now there'll be people that will not like and be like, how could you now? No, no, no. You have to expand your mind and understand. You don't need a diversity division if your ass has open, honest hiring practices. But they don't. They have. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But again, we have to have those conversations. I was so honored that he felt comfortable to talk to me about it. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yes. Because he would have been making a huge mistake. You shouldn't have to have a damn diversity division to look at nothing but people of color. What the fuck? Well, I mean, I always look at it and go, all right, 51% of the world is women. So when you look at your company, but if you're hiring the best, the best, right, should be. And if it happens to be a black person, damn it, that's what you hire. Right. But we have to understand that the people that are hiring are probably white and they Absolutely. have biases that here, I, my, I'm going to screw this up, black language. What? Oh, the, the Ebonics. Yeah, but what? it's called something else. There's a real word for it. Oh, Lord. I, I know. I don't know. I, I'm going to screw it up. So don't take me is. to a task. My brain's not working. <laughs> but that, that white people see that as being street, not professional. Street slang or? It's something, but it's an actual, it's an actual thing. Okay. Well, uh, sorry. Well, I don't know. I don't even tell that is. I know. I mean, I've heard of Ebonics, but I've never heard anything it's, else. It's that concept, but they okay. have a better language for it. Okay. I got but you. so white people might hear... A certain slang, a certain slang or or a certain pronunciation and be like, this person, this goes back to the hair is not professional. So that then they would have a a, a crux to want to hire the white person than the black person. We don't even realize is our, our biases are in there that we're like, oh, they're not professional. They said, but I've seen some of those things on TikTok where they, they use that they're making fun of how the hiring executive may look at a black person and look at a white candidate differently. So yeah. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So I we do. need to be it. mindful that when you're hiring either for people to work with you or even come in and consult mm-hmm. or do training that the, the trainers that you're bringing in represent all people, women, men, all colors, sure. all genders, all, all abilities. Exactly. And so we need to start being more aware that, that we need to start having opportunities for everybody and check our bias. And also check under, our bias. understand that our, our podcast and us talking about this, is it going to make a difference? I believe it will, mm-hmm. because I think that all the viewers that we have, all the people that we know, they will be drawn to the, our honesty about, I mean, again, you can't tell me what it feels like as a black woman to be racially profiled, nope. to be discriminated against. You cannot tell me what that feels like because it doesn't happen to you. And it it yeah. happens to me constantly. And it's not my job to tell you that constantly. you're not having a real experience. Constantly. Because Absolutely. white people do that. They're like, oh, yeah. that didn't happen. You were just feel, you just felt that wrong. We didn't mean that. Absolutely. And it's like, Absolutely. you can't gaslight me into believing that my Absolutely. experience is not real. And white people do that. I've yes. had my white friends do that with me where they will be like, well, Monica, I don't think that person meant it that way. Hold on a second. That was my experience. Stop doing that. That was my experience. Yeah. That's exactly what that person meant. 
I've been black all my life. So you can't tell me what it feels like when you know I will share this with you guys. I had a horrible experience happen to me about 10 years ago. I was working an investigation. It was a big insurance fraud investigation that had tentacles from Georgia to Florida. And I was on special assignment via the mayor's office. And instead of flying, I said, you know what? I think I'm just going to drive. So drove. And I was on my way coming back to Atlanta and was going through, I'm not going to say the city, but it was in South Georgia. All my vehicles, because of my work as a private detective, I have limo tin on all my vehicles, 5% limo tin. And I happened to be in my SUV. So I got stopped by this particular law enforcement division in South Georgia. Rolled all my windows down. It was a canine unit. So the officer gets out of the vehicle with a German shepherd. He proceeds to walk around my vehicle. He walks up to me and he says, ma'am, he said, my dog has got a hit on your vehicle. I stopped him. I said, I'm prior law enforcement. I'm currently a private detective. I said, you didn't have probable cause to stop me because I wasn't speeding. I don't have a, you know, expired tag, brand new $80,000 SUV. So it wasn't about, you know, the headlights, red lights out, none of that foolishness. I said, if you are asking me for permission to search my vehicle, I will give you permission. Mm. Didn't have a problem with it. Okay. He calls for backup. Mm. Four more police cars show up. Mm. One of the guys gets out, Barney Five. I'm six feet tall. Right. This dude gets out, white officer, five, six, maybe, tops, 150 pounds, soaking wet. He says, what's this I hear about you being a private detective? I said, I am. I proceeded to show him my detective license, my badge. I showed him the official letter from the mayor's offices to why I was actually in Florida to meet with the sheriff about this insurance fraud. Gave him the business card from the sheriff, not one of the sheriffs, but the sheriff that's over hundreds of sheriffs. He proceeds to call the state of Georgia, put it on speakerphone. I got a Monica Martin here. She's claiming to be a private detective. Read off all the information on speakerphone. The lady comes back, she said, yes. She's in compliance. She owns the company. Has never had any violations. Well, well, well. So I guess you are private detective. Kill me. Well, and you gave no, her no, more no. grace because I'll tell you no, what. No, no, no. You never no, do no, any no. of that. No, I'm, no I'm, you think I just baked you a three layer cake? I'm getting ready to ice that bitch. Mm. <laughs> do you know they took all of the seats out of my SUV? Took the seats out of my SUV. Went through my tires to see if I had any secret compartments. I sat there and watched these people take my my new SUV literally apart. And in the back of whether you have a Denali, a Yukon, or Tahoe, in the back of the SUV, if you're carrying drugs, there is a compartment that the drug mules will seal it and they'll open it up. And that's where they keep, you know, just kilos of cocaine or drugs or Mm. weed or whatever. Mm. They went to pull up the carpet and it it would come up. So when it wouldn't come up, they realized that. So he tore the carpet up Mm -mm. and could see that it was a completely sealed piece of metal. It had never been wielded open. He says, oh my God, this is one of the officers. He says, oh my God, by then I'm done. My phone was laying on the back bumper of my SUV. I stepped to grab my phone and all six of them, because two of them, it was four police cars and there were two guys together. All six of them proceeded to pull their gun on me. 
I am sitting there looking at six officers with their guns pulled at me. And he said, if you take one more step, you're going down. So I backed up. By then I'm furious, just furious, tears rolling down my face. He comes back and he says, oh my God, Miss Morton. He said, we're so sorry. He said, your vehicle happens to be the number one vehicle that the, that the traffickers are using to move drugs. They proceeded to put my seats back in my truck and apologize. I said, when I get finished suing this fucking police department, I said, you're going to wish you never stopped me. I said, I showed you my detective license. I showed you even my casework. This fool called the state of Georgia to confirm if I was a private detective or not. I said, you proceeded to humiliate me on the side of I-75 with thousands of cars passing me and my seats to my brand new truck sitting on the side of the highway. I said, you racial profiled me. You've humiliated me and you've embarrassed me. Ms. Harassment. Ms. Morton was so sorry. We just thought you have the number one vehicle that the traffickers are using. I sued the fuck out of their asses and won. And I've had more people say to me, what, what, what bothered you the most? The money, I gave the money away. I donated the money. That wasn't the issue. The issue was the racial profiling and the treatment. If I had been a white private detective, they would have never done that. You could have just been white in general, I think. They would have never done that. You could have just been a white a white a man, <laughs> white woman. They would have never done that. Sucker called the state of Georgia to see if I was a licensed private detective. He didn't believe it. He says, Well, 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 how about that? You are a private detective. I said, Jesus. I have shared that story with so many people because people don't understand. This shit happens. Yeah. When you see a Sandra Bland, when you see what happened to Breonna Taylor, that broke my heart. Horrible. That woman was in her home. In bed. In bed. And they went to the wrong house and ended up killing an innocent person for no damn reason. Racial profiling. But see, people are like, we're not racist anymore. And I said, look, racism but is let this. me tell you, we all have problems. Yes. But let me we tell all get you, pulled over. What was interesting about that is that when they put my seats back in and I got myself together, one of the guys, one of the lead officers came to me. He said, Miss Morton, I'm glad that you stopped. He said, because he said that little one. Now, this is his words, which is why I chose to sue him. He said that little one. He said he would have shot you just for no reason. I said, that's all I need to hear. He said, he would have shot you. He said, for absolutely no reason. He said, because he's itching. Yep. Girl, I suit the crap out of him. But again, sometimes when things happen, it doesn't always happen to affect us. Sometimes things happen so you have a testimony to be able to share with other people. Nobody would think this would be racially profiled. Well, it was. Mm -hmm. That really did happen to me. Yeah, I, it, 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 it scarred me forever. But it helped me to understand when I see how things progress and how things happen in the world. So this conversation that we're having is wonderful. I encourage you guys to do the same thing. Have the honest, real conversations about race and understand that you may be missing the opportunity to have beautiful friends. I love this woman. Her color has nothing. She can't help it that she's white. <laughs> it ain't her fault that she's white. She can't help it. She just can't. But she, she keeps going to the I keep, I she keep, going to the vitamin she goes D. to the beach. She yeah. can't help this. She white. I wake up like this. But I still <laughs> love her. 
So you guys, you guys, you guys, you got to have the conversation. We love you, but you got to have the conversation. Yes. We all need to have the conversation. Yes. And we need to do the work. We need to read the books. We need to Google. We need to ask. Absolutely. What can I do to be not just not racist, but anti-racist? Yes. We need to be anti-racist. But thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. This was fun. We will be back again next week. We're still inside of this series, Monica and I. Thank you for being here today again My with me. This has been fun. Soon. Can't wait to hear from you. We will see you guys next week. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillits.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.